Hello everyone and welcome to our fourth episode of The Decade. I'm so excited to tell you that we had the pleasure of talking with Nilsson Heine in this episode. We talked about why he decided to leave the path of being a very successful tech entrepreneur, running his own communication business and becoming a holistic coach and change maker. Furthermore, we talked about how his introduction to Burning Man in 2014 completely changed his life. That it kickstarted his interest for consciousness and how that led him down this path with the ambition of creating a more sustainable future for our people and the planet. We also talked about how personal growth connects with sustainability and it was such a big source of inspiration talking with Nils. So without further ado, I give you our fourth episode. Welcome to our fourth episode of The Decade. We're here with Nils von Heine and uh, it's so great to have you here. You've been a uh, friend and inspiration for many years now and uh, looking forward to having this conversation with you. How are you today, Nils? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I look forward to this. Great. So for those of you who don't know you, how would you describe yourself? I know it's a big question, but I (laughs) think you're up for the task. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky question, and it's hard to answer. Uh, I would say, I think one way uh, is to simply say I'm a I'm a human being exploring this journey called life, as we all are, and then to make things maybe a little more specific in terms of how I spend my time and and what I do. I'm I've uh, spent the past couple of years. Um, being very interested in consciousness and what existence is. And in my work life, I've shifted from tech entrepreneurship and and digital communications to, well, today I call myself a holistic coach, advisor, and change maker, which I guess doesn't <laughs> doesn't give you all the answers, but uh, but that's a start maybe. We'll get to that uh, because I remember I met you the first time in 2015, and then you were definitely a entrepreneur. You were working on a music app back then, I think. And uh, a lot has happened since then. That was five years ago. And uh, it would just be interesting to hear a bit about your background and what took you into holistic coaching. Sure, yeah. So I'm Swedish. I'm from Stockholm, and I grew up um, in a family of of scientists, I guess you could say. Uh, And when I went to school, I was really focused on getting good grades. And I got really good grades. And that led me to, uh, to believe that I was, I guess, destined for greatness, uh, in the sense that I was supposed to, to make myself a career and find success somehow. That was at least what I felt that society was telling me to do. And then as the years went on, I started to unravel that story and 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 find more of my true core. Uh, and it has taken me, it's taken me on this journey in terms of work where uh, I initially started
started focusing on communications and the internet. And I was very early in working in that field in social media marketing before it was even called social media marketing. Uh, And then that led me into tech entrepreneurship where I've spent quite a few years starting companies, uh, being an angel investor, acting as an advisor for companies, uh, running a venture builder uh, focused on, on disruptive tech startups. And then in 20, 2014, I found myself at Burning Man for the very first time. And that, that marked another shift in my life. And in, it sort of kickstarted my interest into consciousness. And it, it started, uh, I started questioning things quite a great deal. Uh, I started questioning both who I was and what I was doing and why I was doing things and, and then what life is about. And, and that has led me on this path where I today... I guess it's two things that I focus on. One is simply to be, to simply explore and experience this existence. And the other is to try to direct my energy into trying to help create a sustainable future for people and the planet. Because I I feel that's the job we're here to do right now. Mm. It's very inspiring to hear your, your story, Nils. What I'm curious about is to know more like about that shift that mindset shift of yours like going from being a tech entrepreneur to like shifting focus and going into being a holistic coach and as you say working for a sustainable future for the world and and the people how was that shift like what was going through your your mind and how how was the process i i imagine that it wasn't easy (laughs) yeah it wasn't (laughs) it both was and wasn't easy it was easy in the sense that um once these shifts happen, it's it's not hard to see that you need to change, that you need to shift. Your entire body and your entire system tends to tell you fairly clearly that you need a change. Um, so in that sense, it was easy for me to understand that I had to shift something. Uh, but the hard part was letting go of what I already had, the identity I was dressing myself in, the, the financial security of... Uh, the work that I was doing and the companies I had built uh, and also sort of the expectations from the world around me. Uh, we do, you know, we box each other in quite a great deal. And when you break out of a box <laughs> that you and everybody around you have put you uh, in, uh, it can be hard. It's it's not easy. And change is always like that. It's It always comes with friction and pain um but it's also extremely rewarding as we all know that once we've gone through a shift that we needed to do it feels amazing but once we're in it it's it's not that easy very scary i would say (laughs) feel kind of naked yes very naked that's a good description yeah i've heard you talk about the pain signals and pain thresholds being the driver for change and uh, i'm just wondering was the burning man experience this specific um threshold for you that sparked the initiation to move over to a different area of life? Yeah, it definitely was. So my first Burning Man in 2014, I didn't know what I was going into. And the experience, um, it completely blew my mind. It opened up a perspective of life on life that I didn't know was possible. And that is actually what, what Burning Man is designed to do. It's designed to evoke awe in the human brain. And when that happens, that's when the brain starts making new connections and and create new thought patterns. So once that happened for me, it really 
it really changed everything. And it took about six months after my first Burning Man uh, for me to let go of the company I had been running for 10 years and really change a lot of aspects of my own life. And it definitely came with uh, what you could call a pain signal or a pain threshold. So after I had been there, uh, life became kind of painful. Like all the things I was doing, they were amazing and I had so much fun and I loved the people that I was working with, but I felt this increasing pain. Something was telling me from within myself that the time for this was now over. I had to move on to something else. And I didn't know what that something else was, but the pain became so strong after a while that I simply had to let go of everything and open myself up to something new. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. And brave of you to do. Uh, I just think some might be confused right now because I realized that Burning Man is not a concept that goes around easily. And um, I've personally had to explain it multiple times for friends in my life. So could you do the very, very brief <laughs> description of that before we get into your current work? Yeah. 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 So Burning yeah. Man, it's it's hard to describe. It's It's been around for since 1986. So it's been around for, for more than 30 years. And you can describe it in different ways. It's a it's a temporary city in the Nevada desert. Uh, you could call it a festival. You could call it a social experiment. But it's a it's a temporary city that gets built every year, and it it's only up for a week, and then it's taken down again. Uh, this this year, because of the the current pandemic, it won't happen there. It's going to happen all online, which will be interesting. But the way to describe it, yeah, for me, it's this experience that is designed to to basically potentially shift your mind. So I think in 2015, they did a study where almost 90% of participants said that this was a life-changing experience. And every year, roughly seven, 70 to 80,000 people um, visit Burning Man and create this city. So it's quite a, quite a big city. It's the second, I think, largest city in Nevada, but it only exists for a week every year. That's one way to describe it, but it's also it's something that can't really be described. It's a place where you let go of the social norms of society and you just explore freely. And someone said it's, it's a place where people go and they are the best versions of themselves for a week. And that sort of makes sense. You, It's a place that is, is uh, truly filled with love and creativity and exploration and innovation where where sort of everything everything goes in a way um, and it's built on 10 guiding principles that that guides everything and guides guides your behavior once you're there but once again it's it's impossible to describe and i didn't know what it was until i was there uh, you don't know what it is until you're there you need to experience it yes most yeah. definitely how did you get introduced to burning man um I lived in New York for a couple of years and I had I had friends there who went to Burning Man and they tried to bring me along. I think for at least two or three consecutive years before I actually found myself there. Uh, I, I didn't understand what it was still. And then I ended up there with Swedish friends actually who also had never been. So it was me and four other Swedish guys that went there together. We didn't really know each other either and we didn't know what we were going into so that that really added to the experience as well it made it just so much deeper and and profound and and changed a lot of things for all of us 
Those 10 guiding principles brings up uh, something you're currently involved in and I am too, which is called World of Wisdom. And I think we should dive into that a bit. And uh, this is also hard to describe. Uh, <laughs> I know that, but uh, give <laughs> can you give it a shot? Yeah. So World of Wisdom is something I've been working on for the past year. And it's, it, it is, it is sort of born out of the Burning Man culture. Um, and, and since Burning Man is hard to describe, the world of wisdom is kind of hard to describe, uh, too, but it, it's similar to Burning Man in the sense that it's built around participatory culture. So co-created, uh, culture, but then it's different in the sense that it has a very clear focus and purpose. And also that is, it's, it's decentralized and open source. But the way I would describe it is that World of Wisdom is a, it's, it's a network of gatherings where people come to welcome and work on challenges, uh, whether those ch challenges are personal, local, or global. And this network is, is open source, which means that anybody in the world can set up a World of Wisdom gathering anywhere, online or offline. And it's, it's co-created and participatory, which means that the participants of a World of Wisdom gathering create the gathering. They create all the content. So you're not there, you know, expecting to be served an experience or a, a blueprint or a specific structure. You are actually co-creating it together with everyone else. And the idea here is that you can set up small local gatherings. You could set up larger gatherings, you could set them up for a specific theme, you could do it offline or online, but it all comes down to welcoming challenges because we're at a point now in, in human history where we have, we have a lot of these challenges and we tend to speak about the global challenges, but they are just a result of our local and personal uh, challenges. So this is, it's a platform where we can come to explore how we can move ourselves as individuals, as groups, organizations or as a society into the new era the next phase of of um, uh, what humanity is and and can be so the idea is for uh, people to create these gatherings hopefully all over the world and then we connect them all into a network to find synergy effects so uh, by by focusing on our personal and local challenges and doing that in many places then potentially we can start actually um, making sense of our global challenges and, and maybe do something about them. That's super fascinating. W which part are you in the process right now with the wisdom since it's only a year old? Yeah, uh, and it's it's interesting because it's structured in a very decentralized and community-based way, which means it's emerging with the growing community. So we don't have a structure where, where one person is in charge like for example, I'm not in charge of this thing. Uh, it, it's fully co-created. So it's been emerging for a year and we were planning to have a first gathering in April, but that's when, when COVID-19 sort of hit the most and stopped us in our tracks. And now, uh, now we are gonna do the first World of Wisdom gathering in August uh, this year, 2020. So August 11th to 16th. And it will happen both offline and online. So it's gonna the it originates uh, from Gotland in Sweden. 
So there will be a group of people there. Um, the pandemic sort of limits how many we can be. So right now we're saying maximum 50, but we'll see. But we're currently also developing an online platform, sort of a, a virtual village where people can set up online camps and, and join from anywhere through live streams, basically. So you could set up a Zoom room or a Twitch stream or a YouTube stream or whatever you like. And then all of these camps, as we call them, uh, are gathered online as well. So some of these camps will be physically on Gotland and online, and other camps will be elsewhere. So, and we just opened up the, the ticket sales for, for this experiment that it is. So that's where we are now. And then we're also at the same time, sort of behind the scenes, um, this entire movement and organization is, is growing and developing. So we're making a lot of contacts around the world, and there are quite a few uh, organizations and individuals working for the same purpose. It's all about co-creating a sustainable future. So we're making a lot of these connections because we believe that the era that we're in now is all about collaboration. There's there's not a lot of room for the type of competition we've had where we, you know, we use too much of this planet's resources. So we believe in in collaboration and allowing people to do whatever they want to do. Uh, but then connecting it all into this grid of trying to co-create a, a better future for ourselves. Mm. That co-creation mm. is something I found very interesting. And it kind of goes against what like we've been traditionally taught from companies and uh, money and success in your own terms. Um, we had a course in macroeconomics where we discussed the free rider effect, where if someone else can do the work for you and you still get the benefits, you would economically uh, be inclined to do that so this idea of total co-creation without someone being uh, fully in charge is fascinating to me and like i was skeptic at first but seeing it in action i kind of get that it works in the right, right areas with the right people coming together and this idea of voluntary leadership is uh, something beautiful and is this the only way forward for for the future you think with these types of movements um, well, I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as an only way forward, but if you look at where we are now in terms of, of human development and the development of society, it, it definitely makes sense that this is what is happening right now. Uh, and, and world of wisdom is just one example of this. It's, it's happening all over and, and things like blockchain, um, play into this as well, a decentralized sort of co-created way of achieving things. And I mean, you, you need to, to understand it, you need to look at it from a, a couple of different viewpoints, I would say. So one is if you look at it, us as individuals, this is not true all over the world, but it's increasingly true that we're at a point that on, on the one hand, we are, um, you know, we're driving ourselves into a, <laughs> over a cliff here in terms of how we're um, using resources and, and um, over consuming things. But at the same time, a lot of people today are, are more well-off than ever before. We crave autonomy. Uh, we want to feel free and we want to be able to be our own masters, so to speak. Uh, and that just on the individual level also, if you look at how the emotional state of a human being is, uh, depending on what that person does, when we get controlled and somebody tells us exactly what to do when we don't have a sense of freedom, it doesn't work well for us, at least not for the, the current generations. We want to be autonomous and we want to feel freedom, 
to create whatever we're called to create. So just to allow that to happen, we need another type of organization. We're also at a point where the wisdom of the crowd has become very apparent. Uh, we've seen that this with the rise of the internet, like Wikipedia and a lot of these initiatives where we understand that we're actually smarter together than by ourselves. And we cannot, uh, one individual cannot see the full picture or have the one and only answer. It's when we come together and, and connect our knowledge and our wisdom and our ideas that the magic happens. That's when we find true synergies. And this is something that is, is simply more well-established today than it used to be. So when we create platforms for people to come together and co-create things, we uh, we simply move faster and further than we than we would do otherwise. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I think that we will see way more of this co-created movements in the future regarding to sustainable development. Uh, I was thinking, how have you perceived uh, sustainable development uh, since you got? more involved and where do you feel that we're at at this stage i would say that it follows um uh there's a concept called the gartner hype curve uh, that basically is used for all sorts of things and it shows how things new things arise and get established in society uh, it's very common to use this when you look at the adoption of new technology for instance and the way it, it tends to work is that there's something something new, a new area uh, arises, and first only a few people are interested. And then at, at some point, there's like a spike, there's a boom where a lot of people are interested, uh, and then it sort of dies off, and then it comes back up and finds sort of a, a more stable uh, level. And this is, this is true for all sorts of, of technology. If you look at um, the internet or in recent years, like virtual reality, augmented reality, um, smartphones, all of these things have been following the, the Gartner hype curve. And I think it's the same with the interest in sustainability that um, first for a very long time, there was none. <laughs> and then we had sort of a green movement um, uh, that came and all sort of went. Uh, and now it's sustainability is, I mean, it's the only thing that connects us all. It's the one thing that is, that everybody has to deal with and and that people are increasingly caring about. Obviously, it's different in different parts of the world because change happens differently or starts in different parts of the world. And, and you know, but we're way past the early adopter phase in terms of sustainability. What I would say, though, is that the way I see it, or my perspective is that we're now entering an era of, of holistic sustainability, where sustainability, sustainability no longer just means taking care of, of nature and the environment. Um, it's more about understanding how this is all connected. That holistic sustainability is about looking at the whole system and making sure the whole system is sustainable and, and regenerative. And this goes down also to the individual level. So we need to understand you know, when individuals don't feel good, when we don't act from our purpose, when we don't know fully who we are or what our role in this world is, that gives rise to, uh, you know, the the massive 
levels of mental illness that we have in the world today, which in itself drives overconsumption of a lot of things. Um, you know, you, we sort of numb our pain by consuming things uh, and that destroys the environment. So that's just one line of thinking how all of this is actually connected. And that is, that is what I'm seeing now is an increasing understanding of um, that this is actually, a, it's a whole system <laughs> and we need to, we need to work on all levels from the individual up to the societal structures to actually get somewhere in in fixing the the mess that we're in so to speak yeah and moving forward to to fix this mess that you're you're talking about and what what would you say is our biggest challenge moving forward to continue to grow and develop as sustainable as we can i think the biggest challenge is that there is always a, a counter movement or a counterweight. So if you look at society today, on the one hand, you could say that humanity is raising its consciousness. People are becoming more conscious. All of a sudden, we care much more about each other and the environment around us. We understand much more how we impact things, how the world actually works. Um, you have this 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 rise in, in mindfulness and yoga, meditation, wellness, health all of these things and also you know co-creation collaboration at the same time you have uh, the other side of the coin which is also increasing and and gaining power simultaneously which would be represented by you know maybe the the clearest examples is what we see in in politics today in a lot of countries where we have we have Trump we have a lot of these leaders that represent well sort of the opposite uh, there's a tendency to try to almost move back in time, <laughs> to close borders, to to create a kind of, of tribalism slash nationalism that is not beneficial, trying to almost, you know, make it seem like we don't have these global issues and just close our eyes and our ears to it. So I think that is the challenge, that balancing. Because with these shifts, with this change, exactly as it is on the individual level, it's a pain threshold, which means it's scary and it's hard and it's going to hurt on the societal level. And then one reaction, one natural human reaction is to just, you know, uh, it's it's fight, flight or freeze, right? Um, so when that happens on the societal level, that becomes very, very problematic. But at the same time, that is the natural process for this. That's the way these things happen. That's the natural development. So I'm I'm confident we will sort of break through the pain threshold and level up as humanity and find a way to to sustainably live on this planet. Uh, but it's going to be tough. It's not going to be smooth sailing to get there. But I'm I'm confident that we are getting there. Do you see this connection between personal development and reaching a sustainable state? One hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's it's. You know, if if you look at yourself, uh, a human being, an individual, you could look at yourself as a cell in a bigger organism, right? So if 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 the planet or all of humanity is the bigger or organism and I am one cell, then obviously I impact this organism. And if the cells don't feel good, if I'm lost, if I am troubled by anxiety and stress and fear and anger and whatever it may be, and I have I hold a lot of trauma, 
as one cell, then obviously that cell is, a, is kind of a sick cell in the whole organism. And if a lot of cells are sick, then the whole organism is sick. That is, in one sense, where we are. So working on yourself uh, is actually helping all of humanity. Uh, because once I work on myself as this little cell, and I make myself whole, I, I, you know, I, I heal my own wounds, and I find my own purpose, and I start acting from my own truth, then I'm a healthy cell, but I will also make the cells around me more healthy. Uh, so, and through ripple effects, that's actually um, that's actually a really strong and good way to try to solve the challenges we, we have. So instead of looking at the, the symptoms, actually looking at what is the source of the problems that we are currently facing. And obviously the source is us. It's us humans. Yeah. I wanted to save this a bit um, for, for later, but I wanted to dive into it now. So how do you develop yourself? Mm. Um, I mean, that's a big question. There's so many... I think uh, I think to understand, well, actually, it's it's also very simple, and I think the simple level is the most important to start from. So, developing yourself as an individual, to me at least, is initially and and most deeply about noticing and listening to yourself, and honoring that you are yourself, and you have a role to play, and you have a responsibility to yourself to actually live this life um, and then in terms of how you how you do this to me the structure is that there are basically only three things to do uh, one is healing so heal any wounds any trauma that i have that i you know that somehow got stuck in me earlier in my life or maybe something i inherited from my parents or their parents or from somewhere we all carry these wounds we all have trauma in one way or another so Understanding what they are and then trying to heal them is one one aspect of it. The second to me is is um, aligning with my own purpose, which would mean trying to understand why am I here, what is my purpose here, and then manifesting that. Uh, I like to call it you know manifesting it as as your gifts to the world. And then the third thing is simply once you've done that, you can start acting from your power in every moment, which means being true to yourself and, and being of service to yourself and the world around you in, in everything you do. Um, and then how to do it, you know, you, there are so many ways to do it. There's so many tools today. So, um, so in my work as a coach, I use, I use coaching, which is about asking questions primarily, um, trying to help a person see themselves and understand themselves and, and see the patterns in their lives and what it's from and how to move on from there. I also use sound healing, you know, which is a primarily form of meditation where you use sound frequencies, vibrations to impact the body and brain and put you in a meditative state. And then I also use what you could call acupressure. You could also call it shamanic bodywork, which is about actually... Uh, working with the body um, using touch almost like a, a massage to do the same thing to find points where we might have uh, blockages we might have locked something up an emotional memory or trauma that now sits somewhere in the body but those are just three examples then there's you know there's breath work uh, all sorts of meditation therapy 
plant medicine, yoga, uh, for that matter. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. We're, we're in that, <laughs> we're in that era now where personal development is rising. It's becoming more important and, and, and also very, very trendy in certain parts of the world because that is what's needed now. So that's also why the trend is, is happening. Mm, very inspiring. I've, I think that all makes sense and you just describe it so beautifully. Um, and I've personally experienced how you do this and uh, it, I really can attest to the changes it can make in yourself. And like, I think if I would step back two years in my life and you would say exact the same words, I would think that's a lot of bollocks like, <laughs> because then I hadn't gone through that journey myself. Um, like sound work, breath work, meditation, it all sounded like something that the hippies did. It sounds a and, bit boo. -boo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I love how the science is catching up to this, but it's still uh, on its way. But could you just describe how, how did you find those things and why are they helpful? Yeah. And, and first, I, I also want to point out that So I have this very scientific background, very academic background, uh, going to, you know, sort of the top schools in, in Sweden. And I also have a very, very skeptic mind to begin with. So I had to experience all of this to also understand it and see the value of it and, and, and start making sense of it. I, I, if you had asked me a couple of years back, I would also, uh, you know, have this image of this that some somehow someone or the society around me placed in my brain at an early age that this is this is woo woo <laughs> you know um, meditation and yoga and chanting and crystals and all of these things it's just like it can't be yeah it can't be anything of value right um and then my my journey has been it's been over the past six years it started with burning man it started with me going into yoga meditation and then plant medicine and then the shamanic aspect of of things started a year ago when i i spent six days in the brazilian jungle uh doing uh, uh an ayahuasca journey together with a brazilian shaman and from there that experience just showed to me that not only are these things extremely profound and deep and valid and and valuable and and really effective um this was also something that uh was intended for for me to have on my journey and yeah the experience i i've tried a lot of things now um so i've i've done a lot of meditation uh, a lot of yoga um i've trained myself as a coach sort of a modern day coach i've done a lot of these um thought and conversation exercises I've done a lot of plant medicine. I've done a lot of breath work and body work and sound work. So I've, I haven't covered, and also Tantra. I haven't covered everything yet, but I've covered quite a lot in these six years. And they all represent various ways of doing the same thing, which is basically allowing me to connect with myself or connect with other people in the world around me on a deeper level. So I can... I can increase my understanding and through that I can, I can heal. I can become more whole. I understand who I am. I understand other people much better. Um, I can follow my own path in a much 
sort of smoother, easier way using my, my curiosity. And then, as you said, science is starting to catch up with this. Um, so as always, it's, it's a little bit behind, but it's, it's instrumental that we have science because we live in a world where in most parts of the world, we have two main religions. It's science and capitalism. Uh, so we sort of need uh, the religious leaders of those religions to tell us that this is something that is valid for a lot of people to even believe it. It's sort of like in, in the olden days, you would have a priest and the church would have to say that this is valid, you can do this, this makes sense for most people to actually dare to do it and not question it. And now it's the same with with, with science and, and to some extent capitalism, that we need scientific proof uh, for to believe anything, which would be the equivalent of it has to say so, say so in, in the Bible or the Quran uh, for us to believe it. Um, so science is instrumental in this shift and science is catching up showing just vast benefits of all, all sorts of meditation, uh, vast benefits of a lot of plant medicine in terms of mental well-being and healing, but also value for human innovation and, and creativity. There's just a lot of science backing the value of yoga these days. There's a lot of science that goes into the value of breath work. I think the uh, the Iceman Wim Hof is an instrumental character in terms of the value of breathwork and the science that goes into that. And a lot of these things, you know, the the practices have been around for thousands of years in many cases, but it's only now that we're actually starting to to do serious science on it and see that it it's valuable. Even though people have known it for quite some time, but now we also have science to to show us that that this is actually valid. And, and to me, so I've been, I've been blessed and lucky to be very early on a lot of the societal shifts that, at least as an adult, especially within internet, um, you know, the social internet and tech startups and social tech startups, and now this wave of consciousness, which is, is, is literally sweeping the world and it's moving very, very fast. And I think couple of years from now when we look back we'll we'll we all will see it very clearly and these things that <laughs> that in in certain parts of society are still sort of frowned upon and looked as as woo-woo will be very very established mm. this brings up uh, such an interesting connection for me that how what you're doing in your coaching work bringing together the spiritualism uh with the sound work and the breath work shamanism with the the modern coaching techniques and the science behind that it's kind of bringing different perspectives into in the same way that will the wisdom or burning man or any other of these gatherings are co-created bringing together people of different backgrounds and taking the value from each and every individual or culture and combining it to make something bigger than the parts separate are themselves kind of making one plus one free in a sense and I think that's what you're doing with the holistic coaching approach, which is something new and evolved from different backgrounds. I love that. It's great. It's really, it's interesting that you say that because if you look at humanity as a whole, this is literally what's happening. And, uh, you know, if you, so I kind of like this analogy where you look at as us as cells, just in the same way that we consist of cells. So when you had, 
when you had organisms that only consisted of one cell, um, and and then if you look at the evolution from there, what happened was basically these organisms started coming together, and then together they formed a slightly bigger organism, and then you know it 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 went on from there. Um, if you look at humanity right now, it's it's the same thing happening. Is for the first time in human history, we are fully connected, which means we have information flowing from all over the world. So all of a sudden we can know, for instance, that there's a global pandemic. There couldn't have been a global pandemic uh, prior to this because people weren't traveling as much, but also we would never have known that it was global because we didn't have the information flow coming from all over the world. And we weren't connected. And now we're fully connected with the internet and the way we can travel to basically anywhere. So we, for the first time in history, we have a situation where we are fully connected. And that's also the first time where we face global, truly global challenges. So you could look at, at our planet as one entity. And now that it's fully connected in terms of its intelligence, um, to some extent, if, at least if you speak about the human level, uh, and we're also facing global challenges as a result of this, it, it's a time for us to level up as a collective. Uh, it only makes sense that this mixing and the mashups of ideas and uh, initiatives and technology is, is happening uh, on this level. That's also why we're now at a point where we can start creating artificial intelligence. There's so many things that are just showing us that we are leveling up as a part of evolution. So it's uh, and it's happening on all levels, whether it's in in you know my little coaching practice <laughs> here in Sweden, uh, or if you look at it at the, from the macro perspective, it's uh, it's the same pattern showing itself. I find it interesting that this leveling up of people is occurring at the same time as our problems are becoming global, because it seems that at the same time as these technological advancements have enabled humanity to do a lot of things. They have also created these global problems. And um, the oil industry is probably a good example of that, where the usage of oil has enabled humanity to do a lot of things, but it has also obviously created a lot of problems. And um, I feel like at the same time as these problems have become global, we also have the technological tools to be able to cooperate on a global scale and are able to face these problems in ways that haven't been imaginable before. Yeah, it's uh, it's always like that. Uh, we always have these two sides of the coin, um, as a matter of speaking. So just like you're saying, when, when we create a new solution, that solution tends to later on become a problem. <laughs> uh, and then when we create a new solution for, uh, for that, that becomes a problem. And it's always the case that when a new problem arises, we have all the building blocks to create a solution for that problem. And that is true also on the individual level. Like so the challenges that I've been dealing with in my personal life in recent years I would not be able to deal with when I was, you know, 20 years younger. But I'm able to deal with them now. It's not easy, but I'm able to deal with them because I have all of the necessary um, resources to actually do that. And it's, once again, it's the same on all levels. Uh, it doesn't matter where you look. If you look at the individual, if you look at uh, an organization, if you look at society, if you look at humanity, if you look at the planet, uh, it's, it's a perfect puzzle. 
Uh, it's just that it can it can be kind of hard for us to see that it is when we're in the middle of it, in the middle of the experience, and it feels scary and we don't know how to solve things. But but just look at our track record, uh, <laughs> both as humanity, but maybe more specifically as life. <laughs> life has sort of never failed. <laughs> Uh, and it will never fail um, because because life is is the consciousness that is everything. So with that mindset, we can sort of enjoy the ride and the ups and the downs, knowing that on on the on the biggest level there is uh, nothing can ever fail. Hmm. If we take a peek into the future, what do you think it would look like in society? Will we uh, overcome this huge challenge that humanity has and reach a sustainable state or how do you think it will look in the future yeah well i that will definitely happen um it will though not be like i say it won't be smooth sailing so i think like we're still in this covid19 pandemic uh, i see that as a first wave i i'm pretty um, uh, confident there will be more waves of increasing challenge and increasing pain for society as a whole and a lot of of the individuals inhabiting this society. So I think systems will break down. A lot of the current systems will break down because they have to break down because they are not a sustainable platform to build a sustainable society upon anymore. Um, And that will be painful. I think what will happen is that the way society is structured now uh, won't hold. I think we will go into a more decentralized structure. I think we will. I think we will form smaller communities, where the communities will look more at how can we become self-sustainable, but at the same time uh, be connected to all of the other communities in the world, almost like a fractal structure. This is what what I'm seeing and what I think makes sense that certain things today are not uh, sustainable in in the way we produce them and and use the resources the fact that that a lot of the food i'm eating here in sweden or most of the food actually is is not from sweden uh, and it gets shipped from all over the world in in ways that simply makes no sense just as an example, I just got a new computer yesterday and I noticed how it was shipped, that it was shipped from China to somewhere else in China to Korea to um, Alaska to Germany to somewhere else and then to, to me in Sweden. It's just a lot of sending stuff around, not in a straight line. <laughs> and certain things... You know, we need this sort of global collaboration to to keep going. But in terms of food, for instance, it doesn't really make sense to to ship a lime fruit all over the world for it to reach me. Um, maybe I can't grow lime anywhere in Sweden, but local communities combined with the technology we have, which actually allows us to produce a lot of our own food locally, even as individuals, I think that... In a sense, things will become more small scale like that. We will focus more on these tight-knit local communities, which is also beneficial because it will force us to interact more with uh, the people around us 
and that will we will that will give us training in human interaction and collaboration and solving conflicts uh, and things like that so i'm a big believer in in small self-sustainable communities uh, connected into a network structure that's uh, i believe is what the future will look like in how we sort of structure our societies um and then you know the this this leveling up in consciousness is very very clear to me there will be a period where the opposite will increase as well uh, the friction uh, between these you could almost look at them as as two sides right will increase in, in until it sort of implodes or explodes um, but looking at that and looking at how how we connect like the increase in connection uh, just as uh, you know a brain finds new patterns there will be more and new ways of making connections just the example here of science starting to look at plant medicine and medit meditation and all these old traditions that have been historically they've been very separate the world of science and and that you know the indigenous world of ceremony and traditions and they are now starting to come together so i believe there will be a lot of bridges and a lot of these mixing of knowledge from various cultures various times various areas uh where we will find ourselves in well simply a more holistic society where things are you know we've had this analogy of society as a machine for quite some time and we're moving into society as as a garden or a forest or a, you know a natural ecosystem where things grow uh, and it can look very very messy <laughs> uh, from the outside because it's not neatly structured and there's not like a, a leader uh, at the top but but nature is just a way more efficient and resourceful and sustainable structure than any of the machines that we've ever built so there's a move towards this more naturalistic design i guess you could say i'm sitting here with a big smile on my face right now because you're <laughs> you're making sentences that i have so much struggle formulating myself uh, it's just putting words and analogies right in the hands and uh, you're doing that in a beautiful way and it kind of sounds to me that these um, new uh, smaller communities would be kind of a hyper modern indigenous uh, tribe or something that is living closely together with the people around them in the physical world but is also through technology connected to the whole global network around them and uh, it just seems kind of like the analogy of the brain as well with the neurons and the nodes and the networks between them that they're separate but they're still firing okay. together oh. that's an even better way to describe it <laughs> i love that yeah that's exactly what i'm seeing mm, i agree with melke here i mean it's so inspiring to hear you talk and it just makes so much sense when you're when you're saying it but unfortunately we're we're reaching our time limit here and we've reached a stage in the episodes where we ask our guests what their encouragement would be to people towards uh, the next decade. So what encouragement would you like to give to the people? Fairly simple, actually. Um, be curious, like follow your curiosity, 
and work on listening inwards, listening to yourself. Because we have this, um, um, there's a, a three-step three journey that most people uh, or a lot of people go through uh, in a lifetime. And it, it, it first you do the sort of external personal journey where you try to under, make sense of the world around you and you try to fit into that world. Uh, and then what tends to happen is you shift after a while to do an internal personal journey where it's more about understanding yourself and actually finding your own core and your own purpose. And it's only after that where you can move to the third stage, which is what I would call it being of service, where you understand that this is actually not even about me. I'm, I'm a piece of the puzzle here. I'm this tiny little cell and I'm here to do a job and... Once I do that, once I start being of service to myself and the world around around me, life becomes smoother and more enjoyable. And, and it's easier than to just allow your curiosity to be your only guide, knowing, trusting that it will always lead you exactly where you need to go. So, yeah, I guess the encouragement is sort of that, to, to, to honor that process. And to notice where you are in the process and, and know that you are exactly in the right place right now. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You cannot fail at living your own life. That's, it's just impossible because you're living it. <laughs> so, so there's no need to be scared of, of failing at living your own life and, and just know that whatever happens is, is exactly what's intended to happen and then get curious around that. So when you feel that you've failed at something, you can just shift into be like, I wonder why. I wonder why I'm not supposed to be doing this thing that I thought I would be doing or would be succeeding at. It must mean that I'm supposed to do something else and then allow, allow curiosity uh, to, to shine and, and uh, just connect with, with love. <laughs> Mm. it's 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 Beautiful. hard and simple at the same time but that's the core of it all mm. Mm. that's great uh, i think you through your words have created value for uh, so many people that will listen to this and really thank you for being here today and i just want to end off with uh, asking you where if listeners want to find out more about you or what you're doing or the things that you've been talking about where can they go to do that Mm, they can go to, well, I have my personal website, which is nilsvonheine.com. Obviously very hard to spell. <laughs> we'll spell it out. In <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you find it, you find it. Uh, the, you'll find some more information about me and, and my coaching there. And then uh, World of Wisdom, you can find at worldofwisdom.io, uh, where you'll find more information about that whole thing. And yeah, I think those are the two main things. And you can find all my contact information on my website as well. Great. Thank you so much, Nils, for being here. I hope to speak to you again very soon. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Likewise. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs>